Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joining me today is a very, very special guest, uh, Jordy Fernandez, head coach of Team Canada, bringing home the historic bronze medal, first ever for the Canadian uh, men's program at the the World Cup or the, the World Championships. Uh, Jordy, thanks so much for taking time out of your day and, and congratulations uh, once again on bringing you know us that uh, that medal. No, thanks for having me. Um, these guys were amazing. Um, they they came with with a purpose every single day and worked really hard and and we all saw the results. So um, all the credit to, goes to these guys and and the program that you know put all the resources um, for us. Um, and and it was easier to accomplish it because we had everything we needed. That's right. That's right. Well, um, if you don't mind, I, I just really want to get through the whole process with you because it's it's been especially your introduction to the team, um, with the background being that you know uh, obviously the the head coach was was Nick Nurse for the program for the last uh, three years or so, and then uh, circumstances came up, he had to leave the job, and that was only about a month before the World Cup. Um, so, can you take us through the start of it? How did uh, you get in touch with Team Canada, and um, you know? When did you begin, I guess, your onboarding? Because, again, everything had to happen very quickly. Yeah, it happened very quick. Uh, obviously, I was in touch with with the program, um, about the possibility to join, um, and also with Nick Nurse because um, he really, you know, he established the program and he's been working really hard for uh, with those guys uh, for, like you said, three years. Uh, and he really cared about it. Um so it got to the point that he couldn't do it. Um, and it came my way. Like you said, it was very fast, only one month of preparing and getting to know everybody and know the players that, you know, when it something like this comes your way, you have to take it and, and you know, be efficient with your time and work. Obviously, I had experience in FIBA and experience with uh, dealing with NBA guys. So try to do my best, um, I think, it wasn't it wasn't perfect because uh, we had to all figure it out on the fly. But like I said before, the guys, um, their commitment, their work day to day, and everybody else involved involved in the program was was outstanding. And and everyone's effort, um, you know, we had we had a really good really good outcome. So it was a great summer for us. Right, and I, I, obviously, as with any team, the the foundations are formed in training camp. And, you know, just having heard in terms of uh, about what it was like at training camp, the one thing that everyone kept telling me was that it was just very competitive, very spirited. Guys came in really focused. And I'm not sure in terms of what your plans were in terms of, you know, who was going to start, who was going to come off the bench, who's going to be in your rotation. But I assume a lot of it was up for grabs and, and that kind of contributed towards like that competitive atmosphere in training camp. Yeah, for sure. Uh, nothing was handed to anybody. Uh, we didn't promise a spot uh, on the team, uh, starting spot or minutes to anybody. So that was the message going in. Um, that's how I I believe myself and the program that hit, things have to be done. Uh, you're doing this for different reasons. Um, you know, all these guys obviously, um, you know, have their teams, their you know, some NBA, some some internationally, their jobs. But when you come and play for Canada, um, you know, we have this goal of making it to the Olympics and also build this program back to, you know, what it's supposed to be, that it's 
top in the in the world rankings and you know um, when you show up uh, you want to compete and you want to fight for it and and at the end of the day you're making yourself better you're making your teammates better you're making the program better so these guys did it um, unfortunately you can only take 12 to the world cup but there was a very competitive group that's part of our identity and and we showed it like I said, it was not not always perfect because um, we wanted to get the goal. But at the end of the day, we gave ourselves a chance in every single game. We fought for it, even the days that it was, like I said, no perfect, like like the game against Serbia. Um, you know, they were better than us, but we fought for it. And and I'm proud of the guys on how what we accomplished, but also the way we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Definitely a lot of historic moments throughout the whole run. Um, the, the last question I was going to ask you with training camp was just, you know, you had Jamal um, in training camp. Uh, what was what was he able to do in training camp with you guys? How was he around the rest of the group? And and what what is your prior relationship with Jamal? Obviously, you guys going back, uh, you know, when you were previously with the Denver Nuggets for a long time. Yeah, I love Jamal Murray. He's um one of my favorite guys that I've ever coached uh, as a player, person, a competitor. Mm. Uh, you know, I've never seen anybody that competes at the level that he's able to do it. Um, he was great in training camp. Uh, he came in and worked with uh, everybody else and did everything. Um, so it was it was good to see it. Like you said, that training camp was like extremely high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and for reasons that we all know, he he could have made it to the preparation games and to the World Cup, but he was part of the group, part of the program, and he he showed it to all of us. So um, he did he did a great job. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I I believe this happened when you guys went overseas uh, to the warm up tour, but um, Kelly Olenek was named captain of the team. I don't, I'm not sure if that was. Uh, entirely your decision or sort of but what went into that and why did you choose Kelly in particular uh we needed uh I think to me Kelly and Dwight are the ones that um deserve to be called captains and it's the loyalty the years of service and who they are and what they represent as people and basketball players so uh they've always shown commitment to to uh, Canada basketball uh, and the country. So I think that, you know, you could only name one for games, but to me, those two guys are the captains, um, the, um, you know, the leaders in that regard. And also with Melvin Edgem, uh, Egem, mm-hmm. I think that, again, for obvious reason, a guy who's always been committed to play for us and, you know, do it through, win those World Cups and sacrificing a lot. I think that means a lot for the program and moving forward. That's, you know, we really, really value that. So guys like Melvin, Dwight, and uh, Kelly, um, you know, are important for us. And that's the reason why um, I named Kelly captain. Right. Uh, I'm sure he was very honored with, with with the designation. I know it's uh, always been very special for him and his family to represent Canada. Um, until the warm-up tour, you guys get out to to play in Germany, three games, two in Spain as well. Um, get to play Germany twice, get to play Spain. I mean, those are two of the top ten countries in FIBA. Uh, we saw Germany obviously win the gold medal this time around, and you got to play them twice. Um, what did that experience do for your group? How crucial was that to to pay the phase like top tier competition 
right away? I think it was a reality check because it, it was our, especially uh, the first game against Germany was at the O2 Arena in Berlin. I think it was like around 15, 18,000 people. So the wow. full gym, uh, great atmosphere. Uh, it was their second or third game. It was our first game. Uh, obviously, they had a group that they've been together for a long time and they were excited to play against us. Um, so we got punched in the face right away and then we bounced back. So it was good to understand what, you know, what this style of basketball is and, and that we're going to have to work for it and we're going to have to be better and we're going to have to adjust and we're going to have to stay together. So it was great. Uh, I think we still shot to win, um, it was the game that it was, it was our first game. We played everybody right around 18, 20 minutes. So I was happy with the way we competed, but also I was happy with uh, what we learned from the experience. And like you said, <clears throat> after that, we, we played in Hamburg, uh, really a smaller gym, uh, but packed five, th- five, 6,000 people loud. And we played for, it was a tournament. We played for the, for the cup. And we ended up beating them in overtime. Right. Uh, and it was it was a great battle. Both teams are trying to win. We're in a preparation. So we learned a lot from from the experience and and those guys made us better. So uh we would not be as good as we were without playing against Germany. So that was that was a great experience. Right, for sure. Um now you, you get to the the actual World Cup itself in the group stages. I think especially for people back home in Canada watching. That was the first game. It was like, all right, right away, you got to get thrown into the fire and play France, who, you know, finished second in the Olympics and second, I think, in the last uh, Eurobasket and third in the last World Cup. Like, France is France. Like, they're always so good internationally. And you guys get into that game. And I think you guys were actually down two at halftime, but you guys ended up winning by 30 to begin the tournament. What did that game do in terms of just adding confidence to your group? Did that change anything for you guys? Or were you guys kind of thinking like, we know we we were this good and we know we can compete at the highest level and try to get the gold. Yeah, I think that it was showing everybody how hard we, we worked for that moment mm-hmm. uh, and how good we could be because, yes, we played well. Um, I think we were down too, but, you know, like we we took good shots. Shots didn't go in. We defended well. And then the second half, our physicality and how well we were how well conditioned, like our fitness, I thought that it was in a in a great place. Uh, we had a really good performance staff that you know you know put together a great plan for us. Uh, obviously, we had good good athletes, but we we were prepared to get to that point and and be really good. So you you think about certain games as in the second half, we just take over, and it was because our intensity was at a level. And never came down, and other mm. teams couldn't sustain it. So I think Friends was an example. And then, uh, like you said, we ended up winning by thirty because we knew that point differential was important, especially in the in the pool play. Right. Um, well, I mean, point differential definitely was in your favor because you guys took care of Lebanon, took care of Latvia as well. That was a very tough game. Latvia had a great tournament. Um, yeah. And so then you get through, and then you get to that mixed pool stage in the next group where. You know, you guys play Brazil and, you know, I'm not going to say that it felt like everyone was a little overconfident. I mean, I'm just talking about in the fan base, not in terms of your group, but I don't think anyone saw that loss to Brazil. And I want to ask you, 
first off, like what what happened in that game? Like because offensively, you guys were great throughout the whole tournament, but you guys only I think scored like sixty points in that game. So what what happened in that game in Brazil? What went wrong? It was a great learning experience. I think it's uh, part of human nature. Um, you know, you were very successful, and we were young. We don't know what these tournaments are, and uh, we got what we deserved. Um, mm. You know, we were up ten at halftime. We were very close to make the run in the third and break the game up. Um, and and we were just not doing the right things from the beginning. Uh, mm. We were not doing the unselfish things for each other, and we paid for it. So we let the game, you know, get to a close game, and they were better than us. They were more physical. Um, they, they won those possessions towards the end. Um, and we lost the game. And the reality is, in this type of tournaments, you cannot afford those mistakes. Right. Uh, and I think that's the reason why we regrouped, we came together, and we were ready to play Spain. Again, you know, probably that's your next question. But, um, you know, that was a tough game. We had to deal with a lot of adversity. Right. Um, you know, against an experienced group that knew how to handle officiating the game. Uh, They're very well coached and played very well. And, yeah. you know, we had a comeback in the third, then they took the lead again, and then we were down 12 in the fourth, and, and we ended up winning the game because, you know, we had, in my opinion, the best player in, in, in the tournament. And I remember also not just Shea, but – Dylan being very good in that yeah. game too. So, you know, losing that game against Brazil, it made us regroup. Everybody felt really um, learned a lot from it. Uh, we were not happy about it. And that's the way you learn, especially when you're that young. So hopefully that loss moving forward, uh, it's going to help us just focus in every single game. Uh, especially going into the Olympics, you cannot take, you know, certain teams. You you have to give your your best effort. Your, you know, and and I think that that was the learning experience for us. Right, and I remember um, the post game interviews. You know, you went to the the podium and and you called everybody out. You know, from yourself, Shay, Dylan, right down to. Just everybody, and you held everybody accountable, especially in that kind of public kind of setting. Um, what does that say about the kind of trust that you're able to earn with the group in that amount of time? Because you know, especially for fans who watch the NBA a lot, that happens rarely, and we know that coaches sort of need to sort of choose their and pick their spots carefully. Um, how did you know that you? How did you have that confidence um, to know that your group and your guys could respond to that kind of public kind of call out? I think those guys have always responded. Um, I have a lot of respect for them, and uh, those are my guys. I've seen them work since August 1st, and they showed up every day. Mm. Um, but at the same time, if we as a group do something that uh, I believe that it's not going to help us be successful, I have to be honest with them. Um, and obviously it was a press conference, but um, I'm, I'd rather do it in a – face-to-face -face or with the group and you know that's part of my job as a head coach is to be honest with the with the group make them understand how much better we can be um and then if it's in a one-on-one -one setting do it as well so 
Uh, I thank those guys for allowing me to coach them, uh, for allowing me to be honest with them, and and they reacted. So I, I give them I give them all the credit. Right. Um. Yeah. The game against Spain. Um. I I just I thought that game was so cool because. Spain, obviously, is such an experienced team, as you mentioned. So deep as well. I thought they had great depth in the front court, especially. Um, and and so well coached with Sergio Scarello, who you have a personal relationship with. Um, and I thought even just watching from afar, I'm, I'm no coach, but I thought tactically it was very interesting. You know, you made the starting lineup change to start the third quarter. You you put in Lou for Kelly, who I think had some foul trouble, but I also think that that helped you guys, um, you know, pick up your energy defensively. And then I thought, I'm I'm not even I don't I'm not entirely sure if this is like just too specific, but there was one play down the stretch where you played offense defense and you put in Dwight Powell um for a very key stop. He wasn't in the game uh before that point, but you played offense defense and he got you a big stop, I think, against Hernan Gomez, Willie Hernan Gomez in the post. And then he had a really good play where he screened and sealed for Shea to get downhill and I think he got a layup to drop. Um, what was that game like tactically to go up against uh someone who's so accomplished uh like Sergio Scariolo? Yeah, I think that's the result of having a, a really good coaching staff. Like I'm going back to having all the resources that we need. Um, and obviously, like having Nate Bjorging as a former NBA head coach, uh, Nate Mitchell with all his experience and knowing all those guys very well, Connor Griffin, Boniface and Dong, uh, having a then scout and John Goodwillie, like, all David Blatt helping mm-hmm. me every single day, uh, Rowan Barrett with his experience. I think the whole group, uh, our analytics coach, Phil Jetkovic, uh, Michael Meeks, the group that we had, uh, we were connected and everybody was uh, willing to do what was best for the group. So obviously all that information um, and all those guys working and working together was extremely valuable for me, mm-hmm. helping me at all times. Like you said, we brought in Lou instead of Kelly. We were able to switch one through five pick and roll, so that slowed them down and we could make the run, but then they came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, in FIBA, especially in the last two minutes um, or the last minute, you can sub after made basket, and it allows you to do offense, defense, like you were right. saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so every single stop matters and every single play, every single play call. So, um, all the credit to the coaching staff and the group, cause they were amazing helping me and, uh, helping me give like giving me all the information that I needed to make those decisions. Right. And, and I, I gotta, I gotta imagine the, uh, the celebration in the locker room or the, the emotion in the locker room afterwards, because that was the game that you guys clinched the Olympic qualification, which um, has so long eluded um, the men's program in Canada. Um, yeah. Can you just walk me through like what it was like emotionally seeing some of those guys who have tried so many times, you know, um, to, to qualify, to finally qualify. And especially to have done it in that manner too, where you guys, again, came back from double digits twice in the, in the second half. Yeah. Those, those are, Invaluable moments, uh, moments that will you'll never forget in your life. Um, you to accomplish something like you know, like qualifying for the Olympics, um, and doing it together with the guys that you've shared practices and locker rooms and travel over the world with, and you know, it's very emotional and it was really cool. Um, 
you know, very happy for all those guys, for the organization, for all the staff, uh, not just the coaches, but everybody around um, the program, you know, working every single day to make things better for us, whether it's just travel or, you know, getting to the hotels first. Um, we were like a first class uh set up and 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 operation mm -hmm. and giving credit to all these people then you can celebrate not just coaches and and players but also front office and michael bartlett as the president of the of the program and everybody involved i think that it was really cool as one of those moments that you'll never forget also cool for the country uh being back into the olympics after 24 years and then we have the next goal right the next goal yeah. was can we get the best result ever? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was what our next thing. It was, can we be, you know, top four or more than when we beat Slovenia? We got the first result and, you know, history of uh, Canada basketball and a World Cup. And then after that, can we get a medal? And, you know, even though we let, we lost in the semifinals, we still had the chance to, to get a medal. And it was against Team USA that – the men's program um, has never uh, – Canada basketball never beat Team USA before and the men's senior. So, right. you know, you think about everything we accomplished and when you make history, I think it's very special. So, uh, once again, like credit to all these guys and everybody working around the, the group. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that USA game was – like, I, I don't think anyone will ever forget it. Um, I think – uh, it was just so cool, so hotly competitive. And, you know, I I'm thinking about um, what that feeling must have been like in the huddle it, right after, you know, uh, Mikel Bridges pulls off that miracle four-point play. It works out perfectly, you know, and, and they they tie it and Kelly misses that little shot to to, to potentially win it at the final buzzer. Uh, what was it like just regrouping with the team in that moment, right? Because I think for a lot of guys, that might be a moment where it's like, oh, I can't believe it. we had this bronze medal in our hand and then we just let it let it slip. Uh, but what was the mood like in that huddle, if you remember? Yeah, the guy said it before the game. Um, you know, we have – this is the last 40 minutes that we will play together this summer. Mm. And we're going to play 40 minutes together for a medal. And it's a pretty cool way to finish what we started, right, in August 1st. And when that happened, that it can be disappointing. Um, and obviously we have to learn about boxing out free throws in a situation like that. But sometimes it happens. Like you said, yeah. is it's probably a play that you don't see many times and it happened. But when we got in the huddle, one of the guys said, you know, we have five more minutes to play together. And, you know, that tells you a lot about this group of guys and how connected how selfless and how com competitive these guys were. Um, and then just came out of that huddle and had a great overtime, great five minutes, and we played even better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I give them even more credit to regroup after, you know, a play like that that can be, like, devastating and, you know, to bounce back and and ended up, end up winning the game. It was – it was – even more special. It was very beautiful. Um, and obviously the the two heroes uh, in that game, Shea with 30 and 12 assists, I think, and Dylan obviously with 39. 
Um, I just want to ask you one question about each of those guys. With Dylan, I think in particular, um, what do you think is the biggest misconception with Dylan Brooks, especially among NBA fans? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. So I don't know what people are talking about. Dylan is a super pro, very competitive, a really good teammate, and a really good basketball player. So that's all I can say about him. I take him on my team uh, for the rest of my career if I could. Hmm. Same with Shea. And same with the 12 guys that, that were on the roster. Um, so, you know, I I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of outside perception of guys and, and all this social media and media and talk. But me as a head coach, I can always say that uh, Dylan Brooks was a rock star and he was a rock star since day one. None of us are perfect, me included. He's not either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he worked really hard and he sacrificed himself for the team. His job was to do certain things. He accepted his role and he did it. So I give him give him credit. Same with Shea as one of our leaders. And and going down the line, all those 12 guys were were amazing together. Yeah. I mean, Dylan looked like a dream to coach. Like he he, he guarded the be- other team's best player every single night, didn't complain, took the right shots and you know, when it when you guys needed more from him offensively, he he delivered, you know, 22 points in Spain and uh, 39, which is just incredible against uh, USA. I think my question with Shea was just it seemed like so often in the second half, especially in that third quarter, Shea would just decide to take over. And I don't know if that's like a coaching thing. I don't know if that's like, you know, the, the team operating in that way. I'm sure you'll give credit to both sides. But it seems like Shea is so special of a talent that he can decide when to take his game to a next level and consistently do that. Because we saw so many times third quarter, it was Shea and then down the stretch, you know, Shea closing games was, was just sublime watching at home. Yeah. I mean, he's a very special player. Uh, he He's going to be one of the best NBA players ever. Uh, he's going to be one of the best uh, players in our program ever. And and he's a really good dude and a really good leader and works every day. And he's positive. He's got a smile on his face. And also he's got that killer instinct. So you have a really good mix uh, in this kid. And that's why I was so impressed. Um, obviously in his growth, um, not deciding when to take over and then to take over from the beginning for four quarters, especially in FIBA. It's going to be uh, what's going to make the difference. Because at some point, um, you know, he's going to – he already won a bronze medal. He's going to, you know, fight to win NBA championships. And and hopefully, you know, I hope he he wins an NBA championship at some point, uh, not against the Kings, but um, that he does. And, you know, like he's that good that he can impact the game, not just with his scoring, but also with his defense and his playmaking. So, yeah. If he if he has that impact and complete impact in the game for four quarters from the beginning, uh, that kid is going to be, you know, like he is extremely good right now. He's going to be like even better. So I'm excited for him to, you know, to get to that point. And, and right now he is, um, you know, he was really, really good to to. I was an honor to coach him. And once again, like he's one of the guys that I can say thanks for letting me coach you. And, uh, you know, we have a 
a next one next summer and and now that we know each other a little bit better it's it's going to be even better yeah he's uh i mean personal opinion he he was the mvp of the tournament for me I, all due respect to dennis schroeder who um yeah, no, you know, no doubt in my great mind, too, but like she was to, so good congrats to dennis yeah. uh um, but obviously I'll, I'll go with my guy for obvious reasons. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you, um, so the differences in terms of coaching FIBA, one of the things that was really unique on watching, I mean, this is something that's very common if you, uh, watch a lot of European basketball, which I'm sure you already do, but you know, the timeouts, they're, they're mic'd up. There's the camera right there and, um, there's cameras in the locker room and we get to see your pregame speeches, your halftime speeches, your postgame speeches. That's so much like access in and almost like especially in the nba setting you know you don't you don't see that happen that often so how does that how do you manage that as a coach in terms of just like knowing that you're you're on camera all the time um to be honest with you i didn't care and that's one of the things that probably fiba has to change <clears throat> you want to give information but you want to give you know like not too much inside information okay. can then all, otherwise we cannot behave the way we want to behave or the right. way or the way our players need us to behave uh, a lot of times when you could i'm giving you an example when you complain to an official you're doing it to show your players that you're fighting for them not right. because you don't like the officials or because they made we all make mistakes but you know sometimes showing that i don't think it's fair the same way like when they show certain timeouts you know it should be delayed and i've already had this discussion with them um, you know, that they it should be a, a four-second delay. They should show what fans want to see, but not everything. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, language-wise and all this other stuff, it should not be shown. So yeah. uh, I hope they change it. I'm pretty sure they're going to want to do it because it's just going to make the product even better. Uh, and also, like, it's not fair that um, the ones that we, you know, that, that – English speakers, we, you know, everybody can understand what we say and some other, they cannot. So it's not fair. Right. Okay. So it's fair. Never considered that. <clears throat> I think that just stuff like that, all this access is good, but there's a line. And I think in my opinion that they should change it a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is kind of just jarring sometimes, you, you know, you could see like the, the clipboard of what you're drawing and you could you hear your terminology or be like, you know, in this timeout, we're going to, in this action, we're going to do like a zoom action here. And it's like, wow, you just would never see that in the NBA. But I, I do understand from the coaching perspective, that is a lot, a lot of information that I'm sure you guys don't even want to be shared out there in that, in that first place. Um, in terms of coaching in the tournament setting, you know, opponent wise, every team is so different. And it's like what you, you win the game or you're out, you know, it's do or die. Basically it's do or die starting from you know the spain game onward and you know obviously preparing for spain is so different than preparing for brazil than preparing for slovenia and you only have like a day in between to prepare so how did you build coaching plans and how how often did you have to like scrap something just day after day after day just to prepare for each uh because it's a very unique challenge even compared to the nba yeah i'm going back to uh all the resources and having a great coaching staff um i think that we we had everything we needed. Uh, Rowan put it together with Michael Bartlett, and that was one of the things that they told me from the beginning. What do you need? And that was pretty cool. I've yeah. been 
part of other federations and resources always uh there's a limit and and when i came here i was like almost there was no limit and they were willing to do you know it's just whatever it takes and, and it's not just about money is uh you know you'd like um human resources people people involved and like I said before having an event scout is it was amazing uh john did a great job and and all the coaches doing offense and defense personnel so i think that we were organized and those guys were really good at preparing for games and it just helped the players and helped myself um you know the the one thing is for the most part, everybody is under the same circumstances and conditions. Right. It was not in the Serbia game because we had to travel four hours and with an hour change and they didn't. And they had 40 hours of rest and we had 24 hours of rest. Yeah. With that being said, it is what, it's, it is what it is. We couldn't control that. And, you know, again, I think it, this is something that they may want to change um and if they don't you cannot control it so right you can only think about you know what what you can control and i think that our coaches uh performance medical uh team psychologists nutritionists that was we're very very well prepared and and i'm very happy with with what we did on the court and the way we projected everything it was uh, we have a great identity that we have to sustain now from, you know, for the future. Yeah, the standards is very high, but I mean, I'm sure you guys embrace that challenge. I, I got three more questions for you and then we'll let you go. Appreciate your time so much. Um, yes. One thing that, you know, you did at the the postgame press conferences, you, you dropped a lot of Canadian musical references. You know, you referenced Drake, you referenced Darkells, you referenced Alanis. Um, yeah, well, did, was that just like, off the dome for you did you prepare for that like what what did what did you like where did that come from um i love music and i think that if we can you know promote whatever is canadian yeah. i think it's pretty cool because life is not just basketball and you know it's just a way for me to uh, get to know the country a little bit more. Uh, I always I remember with with Michael Bartlett and and Matt Walker that we were talking about like uh, Canadian facts and you know yeah. like trying you know obviously somebody asked me like do you know the the national anthem? I was like of course that's the first thing I did when I got when I committed to do this the first thing I did was to learn the national anthem and yeah. um, obviously I was not born and raised in Canada but it's an honor to get a job like this. And to me, I'm just showing love and respect to uh, everything Canadian, right? Yeah. And um, I love music, and that's why, you know, in a way, I use some of those lines and, um, you know, just trying to listen, um, you know, all this music. I, I was joking with somebody. I was like, well, you know, it's pretty pretty big summer, right? And everybody talks about summer of 69 and i think that hopefully next summer when we do big things in the olympics uh somebody makes a song about the summer of 24 so oh man hopefully it's gonna be the biggest summer and um canadian music i like that i like that a lot um all right if you don't mind i just wanted to pivot because this is the raptor show and, and i did wanted to ask you this um pivoting away from Canada basketball, just what was the interview process like with the raptors right because you were involved the raptors obviously had a head coaching vacancy this summer 
And the reports were that, um, you know, you were one of the finalists. And obviously, we got to see so much of your quality as a head coach uh, with Team Canada. Um, so just can you walk me through a little bit of that process? Um, it was a great experience. It was an honor. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Masai, his group, and the organization. So, you know, it was great to go through the process. I learned a lot um, about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it didn't go my way. Um, and sometimes everything happens for a reason. After that, I was able to get this job with Canada basketball. And if you ask me now, I would have never changed the summer that I have for anything else. So I think it worked for everybody. Uh, the Raptors ended up hiring a really good coach in Darko, who's going to do a great job. And, you know, and I'm going to be coaching in the Olympics. So uh, I think it's a win-win for everybody. And again, like I was very fortunate to be part of the process and and again like all, all my respect to Masai and the group because they were they were great to deal with yeah i i know um there was like a bit of a curveball um that was thrown at a lot of the finalists with like a mock press conference as part of the the head coaching search which uh i thought that was very unique in terms of how they approached it but you know obviously yeah. congrats to darko i wasn't i wasn't <laughs> in that group so oh okay all right well it's that's that's too bad that's that's too bad i want to pivot on to a happier memory then involving toronto so uh, I remember this game because, you know, I'm the one of the beat writers for for the Raptors, so I'm at every game. And I remember last uh, last season, I think maybe in November, um, the Sacramento Kings, your team, came into town. And you guys were very hot to start the season. You guys were in a good groove. Um, and I just remember that game kind of going the way of the Raptors. I think Mike Brown got ejected for arguing some calls. And then you had to step in and take over as head coach or acting head coach for the rest of the game. And painful memory for me as a Raptor fan, but – you know, Raptors lose uh, down the stretch. I think it came very, very close. You guys got a big stop and you guys win it. And I just, um, I remembered seeing the scenes of you getting into the locker room and all your team, uh, all your players surprising you with this like water bottle shower and, and celebrating you. So can you walk us through that moment? A much happier memory involving the, the involving Toronto. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was my first time. Uh, acting as a head coach in the NBA, like you said, um, coach got ejected. Um, and I was trying to tell him, don't get ejected, don't get ejected. <laughs> Obviously, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to fight for your guys. And, and he did. And he got that reaction that we needed. Uh, obviously, everybody had to step, you know, take a step forward and, and help. And that's what I did. It was part of the circumstance, and it was a great experience. And and the guys came together, ended up winning the game. Like you said, I think we were down thirteen and ended up winning. So yeah, you know, it's one of the mo those moments that you'll never forget. And um, it was it was very special. I always say the same thing. I, it feels like Canada has always been, you know, like uh, part of my destiny. The first time that I coached um, an international game, U nineteen, two thousand thirteen. Um, it was against Canada. Hmm. Um, then, you know, first time that I coached in the NBA game as a head coach is is in it's in Canada against the Raptors. Um, then I get an interview with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I ended up coaching the Canadian national team. So, you know, that's um, Canada's been always there for me, and it's it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what's clear from watching that video and watching this run that you had with Team Canada, watching your work previously too, is just, you know, your players love playing for you, coach. Guys respond to you. You earn their respect. And uh, 
I know, I mean, we're all in a happy mood right now, but I know the bigger goal is to to get an even better medal uh, next summer. For so, sure. yeah, I appreciate it. For, yeah, thank you for joining us on the program. And, and thank you once again for what you have done for the, the national program. Of course, it's an honor. Thank you so much. That was our interview with Jordi Fernandez, head coach of the Canadian men's national team and also associate head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Big thanks to Jordi for making time. I know it's a very busy part of the season. Everyone is ramping up and preparing for the upcoming NBA season. Obviously, Sacramento Kings had a really great year last year. They're trying to build on that success. Uh, so Jordy's been busy with that. So I appreciate him taking time out of his day. Uh, and also a big help to you know Canada basketball, the, the folks there. Big shouts to Matt Walker uh, on the PR staff uh, for setting up the uh, interview. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back with more interviews next week. Uh, but for now, I'm signing off. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the program. Thank you.